Sing a little 
King who died for us on the cross. But has such grace that we have power over our circumstances. We're going to begin to sing a hallelujah over our circumstances this morning. Whatever you're going through in the future, in the present, just begin to sing. Raise your voice. And sing to the King, the King of all kings. Let's do it again, yes. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder again. 
morning. If you need a touch from God, healing, if you need physical healing, there's a pool open. So you come.
You know, this is good. Sometimes you just got to let it rip, you know. You, you know, the water breaks out and uh, you can't hold it back. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm not... Um, thank you, Lord. This is a different... We don't want to miss this time. So we don't want to have normal from here on out. We don't have normal. We, we will receive the offering. and We've got a 10-minute speaker. We're going to let rip and... Uh, and then, but you know, before we do that, is there anybody here? I'm serious. If you're watching, you say, look, now this is a lot of fun. It looks more like uh, some kind of ball game rather than church. But anyway, let's say you don't know Jesus. If you, you're not certain that you're saved, is there anybody in this room? You say, I don't know if I'm saved. I want to know Jesus. The joy that you guys have, I want that in my life. I, I want to know that I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Is there anybody? Man, I just felt like we need to give that opportunity. Because we invited a bunch of folks here. and Anybody say, I don't know, would you pray for me? Anybody say, well, I'm not as close to him as I used to be, but beginning today, I'm going to be. Is that many of that? Okay. Yeah, we'll claim that one. But I want to just pray because I know somebody's watching. Now, there's somebody in this room, and you're not sure you really know Jesus. And so we got to make sure of that. That's the most important thing. You know the greatest gift that's going to be given during this season or received is going to be the gift of Jesus. Just think about it for a moment. What do you get when you get the gift of Jesus? Think about it. What do you get? Forgiveness of sin. That's not a bad one. How many of us are sinners? Every one of us. The scripture, was it? Psalm 143. Not one living is righteous. Not one living is righteous. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. What else do you get when you receive that gift? Eternal life. Eternal life. Can you believe that? 
There are people looking for the, what is it, you know, to live forever, looking for that uh, secret for immortality. Well, guess what? We have the secret. His name is Jesus. Even though you die, Jesus said, yet shall you live. If you believe in me, you receive salvation, you receive a home, a home in heaven. I know we don't hear a lot about heaven anymore, but I believe in heaven. Jesus said, I know they explained this away today. He said, though, if I go away, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. And the scriptures speak often of heaven, and you'll read about it all through the New Testament. But you, the greatest gift is a relationship with him. You means when you wake up on Monday morning and there's not the shout and the, you know, the fanfare and all the people. You're all by yourself. You ever been there? It's just me and you, God. Well, that's, that's the best. <laughs> that's the best. That's what it's supposed to be. You and him. It's a relationship. That's what he came for, to give us a relationship, to restore what was broken because of sin. Amen. Are you guys with me? So we're just going to pray that. I know somebody's in this room that doesn't know him. You're going to know him today. And somebody's watching. So let's just pray this out loud. All of us as a reconfirmation of our faith. And um, Lord, we're going to ask you to just stir the fire too. The fresh relationship. This, I told somebody this week. One of the homes we visited around the church. This is going to be the best Christmas you ever had. So, and this is going to be. I'm declaring it. It's going to be. For many people. So, Lord, just pray. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. That He is the Son of the living God. That He lived a sinless life. And then He died on the cross. For my sin. And then He rose from the dead. And I confess that I need Him. I'm a sinner. Thank You for the blood of Jesus that was shed for, to cover my sin, to cleanse me of my sin. And I repent and turn to you right now. I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my future. And I give you my present. And I call upon you, Jesus. Your word says, whoever calls upon your name shall be saved. And I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And so I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I have a relationship with the Almighty God. The creator of the ends of the earth. And the universe. He's my God. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. Now fill me, Lord, with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. Use me for the rest of my life to be a light that shines for you. In the name of Jesus. Now there's a new anointing coming. We just received that right now, Lord. It's a new anointing. It's a new anointing. This is the way I feel like we're supposed to. I'm just going to take another moment. So stay where you are. And then we'll, we'll figure out. And Alex, our 10-minute speaker, but he can go a little longer today because this is what I'm going to do, right? This is, I, you know that scripture, Philippians, says we live in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. You remember that? 
I'm not going to go into too much detail, but that's where we're living. We're living in the midst of a crooked. You look the words up, it means warped, contrary, hard to get along with, stubborn, obstinate, cranky. I mean, you just mean, it means windy. I mean, people are being tossed about to and fro. They turn on one station on the television and they believe that. They turn on another, they believe that. They don't know what to believe. They go into many churches, they don't know what to believe. But we're living in a perverse, morally corrupt. You know that today they call some people in the political world crooked. You ever heard anybody called crooked? Guess what? We're all crooked. We've all broken the laws. If you broke one law of God, you're guilty of breaking them all. And you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. And uh, you know, there are people today, they claim to be enlightened. I'm enlightened, man. I'm, what, do you, what do they call it? Um, they don't say politically correct. That's what we say. But they're, you know, what are all those terms? I don't know what they are. They say they're enlightened. You know, I'm one of those, uh, I'm uh, tolerant. That's it. All that stuff. No, you're not. You're crooked. You're crooked. And the only thing that's going to straighten us out is the blood of Jesus. And uh, one more time. This is, this is not normal. Now, I know that any baptismal can flood. But this day is marked. I'm telling you, it's a marked day. Now, this is not spiritual, what I'm about to tell you. I don't care. Anyway, I don't care. Two nights ago, I had a dream that I was speaking to the young man that won the Heisman Trophy last night. The night before he won the Heisman Trophy. I was speaking to him in a dream. And um, I'm just trying to tell it correctly. You go ahead and keep playing because I'm going to need a little spiritual something here. to Because what do you mean, Heisman Trophy? Anyway, but in the dream, I'm crawling out over this something. But there's water underneath. Well, there was water underneath us this morning. So I thought maybe I should share this. But I looked at him and I said, this is the day. This is the moment we've been waiting for all of our lives. And last night, he was crowned the Heisman Trophy winner. But I was thinking, Lord, that's more than about him. This is about the church. This is the day, it's the hour that we've been waiting for all of our lives. And things are about to get crazy in the house of God again. Jesus, is he, he's alive and well. The church is awake. And I know we've got to awake some more. Well, you know, we're going to be on an awaking mode from here on out. I don't know if we'll be totally. We're not going to be totally. We're in the process. Those who are sanctified and those who are being sanctified, you know, or he that is sanctified, he, just, he calls us his brethren. But we're saved. And I'm telling you, revival has begun in America. It may look small. It may, there'll be some people want to ignore it. Jesus is in the midst of his church. How many of you know that? And I'm telling you, you're about to receive a new commission. Because in that scripture where it says, let us, you know, we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. It says we're supposed to shine as lights. Remember that scripture? It's right in there. Shine as lights. You're going to have an opportunity to shine because it's going to get darker. You won't have an option. The darker it gets, though, then, then that means the brighter. That our little light will shine. How many of you remember that song we used to sing? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You can't, you can't hide it. 
What, are you going to hide your light under a bushel, under a bed? No. You let your light so shine so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So I'm going to pray something. I don't know what I'm going to pray yet. I don't know how we're going to walk in the days to come. We're just going to walk them out. In fact, you know what it is. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Can you look at that? Now get, I'm, I'm, I can do this because I'm the pastor here, so I can take a little time. But, but anyway, I'm, I'm just one of the body. I'm just part. Really, that's the way I feel. I'm just a part. He's the head. There's only one head. But anyway, you look that up where it says, And not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Right about that, he's talking about mountains that are standing in the way. Remember, he says, And there shall be removed by shouts of grace, 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 these mountains. That's how it's going to happen. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That the things that held us back are going to be removed. So what I'm going to do, you know, Jesus said, if you speak to these mountains, you believe in your heart that they'll be removed, they will be cast into the sea. How many of you got at least one mountain you're facing right now in life? Something, whatever you would define it as. It's something that's standing in the way. It reminds you every day of how small you are and how big it is. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we're going to speak to mountains. We're going to break them. And there's going to be a new freedom and a liberty. Doesn't mean you're not going to have some of the same issues. You just overcome the issues. Greater is he that's... Listen, it's going to get tougher. It's going to get tougher. The left is spitting mad. The left is not just a political identity. You know what we're really facing, don't you? It's the spirit of Antichrist. And if they could, they would have our heads. You know that, don't you? There's that kind of hatred. Well, the Lord's restraining, the Lord's keeping, because there's a purpose yet to be performed. And when God swears and, and He says something's going to be, guess what? It's going to be. And He's going to use a people. You've been being prepared for these days. Some of you thought you should have been disqualified. You should have, based on our own Righteousness, we should have all been disqualified. How many of you would say that's true? We should have been. If I was God, I would have disqualified me a long time ago. God. He's God. And He's good. And He's holy. And so He's been preparing us all our lives for such a moment as this. Now I'm going to get back to the... It's, it's not really unspiritual. I believe there's a prophetic thing. But everyone in this room and everyone watching, you just won what God would define as the Heisman Trophy. I'm telling you, you're a winner. You're an overcomer. You're on the first team. You may have been overlooked by some, but not by Him. And this is what we've been created for. So I'm going to pray for the anointing. There's some kind of an anointing God wants to release. How in the world could He... And I know that was probably our mistake. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. Thank God we got flooded. You can't even tell now. Somebody's, it's all, yeah, it's just God. This is God. They, the steps of a good man are ordered. We don't live by happenstance. You know, I don't like the word luck, do you? We don't live by luck. I don't, that's a curse. We don't, we're not under that. It's God caused it to happen, so there's been an outpouring. 
of the water and the Spirit. So this is what we've been waiting for. So thank you, Lord. Why don't everybody stand? And I just want to pray an anointing to come upon your life, to be what you've been called to be, do what you've been called to do. In fact, that's another thing. If I had really gotten into it this morning, but I'm not. I don't think I'm supposed to. But we speaks about that crooked and perverse generation, that you might become lights. It's what you become in the midst of that crooked and perverse generation. So we're the ones that's, that's going to walk in the straight and narrow way and not in the crooked and perverse way. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you. You're a mighty God. Holy, holy. Let's just receive. Just receive. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, everyone that's watching. Just put your hand on your forehead right there. Just if you don't mind, this is just a, it's a symbolic act of the anointing. But the Lord is going to put his hands upon you. Just, Father, we pray right now for a fresh anointing. Because it's truly not by might, nor by power. Never been about the, the ability of man, the knowledge or the goodness of man. Or, you know, man has gotten to some place. Lord, it's not about us, it's about your son. And we thank you, God, that you're raising up the kind of sons on the earth that all of creation has been waiting for. Groaning. That the sons of God would be revealed. So, Lord, we just pray right now for an anointing upon every man and woman, boy and girl, in this room, Lord, watching by web stream. That, God, we would see, Lord, the sons of God arise, doing the will of the Father. We must be about our Father's business. And I thank you, Lord, that this day marks the beginning of a new anointing and a new release, a new revealing of the sons of God who will rise up. Lord, I thank you. I ask you to protect everyone from evil, that the blood of Jesus really is over our door. It's over the doorway of our heart. We thank you. No weapon formed against anyone in this room, anyone watching, our children, our families will prosper. No weapon. Every tongue that is risen in judgment, we declare condemned. Lord, that's our inheritance. And so, Lord, we thank you that we're more than conquerors. We are overcomers in this life. Even in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation that seems to be going crazier by the moment. Crooked, perverse, immoral, slanderous, hard to get along with, contrary, obstinate, stubborn, warped. But I thank you, Lord, there's a people that will represent Jesus in your way in the earth. You're the way. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I don't know what all this is about. But I call forth everyone in this room. I thank you. There have been many that have borne 30-fold fruit, some 60-fold fruit. But I'm asking 100-fold fruit. 
And now I'm speaking to every mountain that stands in the way. You said, speak to the mountains. I'm speaking now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the one who rose from the dead. And I command every mountain that stands in the way of everyone from fulfilling the purpose for which they've been created for. Lord, I thank you. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God planned beforehand that we should walk in them. And so right now I command the mountains to be up, be rooted up, and be removed in Jesus' name. And I pray for the release of, of the power of God, the anointing upon everyone. The mountains have been removed. Every mountain brought down, every valley exalted. The King of glory would come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord mighty, strong in battle. We thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we want to pray right now. For, just pray for your home state. Wherever you grew up, wherever you were born, or wherever you would say your home state. Lift it up loud to the... Just shout it out. Texas, Louisiana. Lord, Lord We pray for all these states... In the name of Jesus, from California to Oregon, Mississippi, Florida, New Jersey, Michigan, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, Illinois, Indiana. God, we pray, Iowa, Idaho, Hawaii, Alaska, North and South Dakota, North and South Carolina, Louisiana. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray, we prophesy over America that the church would come alive. And the river of God would flow again in the streets of our cities. We thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we know that hell is not going to give up. But we thank you that heaven is triumphing. We thank you, Lord. You're raising up a mighty army. You should go read Jude this week. I promise next week I'll get into Jude. I know it's a Sunday before Christmas. We'll have a Jude for Christmas. Jude is a serious book. You talk about a seri serious book. Talks, it's, it uses the word ungodly in one or two of those verses like six times. How all the ungodly and the ungodly deeds in the midst of the ungodly. And, but God's going to do something. He's going to bring forth His saints. Now, a lot of folks talked about how that's going to be one day, years, a thousand. I'm, we're the saints. I'm, I'm, I'm not messing with your theology, but I'm telling you, the saints are marching in. And if it happens a thousand years from now, that's all wonderful, too. We're not opposed to anything. We just want to walk into stuff we're called to now. I have a feeling he's probably going to come a lot different than what most of us expect. He came the first time different. He's going to come the second time different. What if he chooses to do things a little different? What if he chooses to raise up the saints now? That's what's going to happen. <laughs> if, if you didn't feel the Holy Spirit this morning, I have a word for you. <laughs> you are stubborn. Lord, help you. Seriously. My goodness, what a blessing. You will be surprised um, to hear that my subject this morning is baptism. 
I have notes. I can prove it. God, you are so good. Holy Spirit, we honor you, bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you are always in us, that you are a seal, a guarantee that we are heirs of our Father's kingdom and that you will come and join us and lead us and pour out on us. Lord, we invite you now. Bless the speaker. He needs you more than anybody in the room. Lord, bless your word to achieve what uh, you intend. And bless all of us who hear that we'd be empowered and live for Jesus' sake. I was coming up from the basement and I thought, Lord, um, you have filled these people up with sugar and caffeine and they got to sit still for two hours and pay attention. That does not seem like a very fair deal. And he didn't think so either. So he changed things up. I don't know if you've ever been disobedient to God. You might be surprised to learn that occasionally I have been. And recently, uh, what my disobedience looked like was after uh, Pastor Todd Smith came here, uh, and talk to us about baptism, and we started to, to move into that, uh, the Lord started really dealing with me about it, about my views about it, what, what I had been taught and, and, and what I thought. And, and, you know, if you've ever had that feeling where uh, God is just kind of uh, getting up under you and urging you to step out and say something, uh, but you just don't want to do it for whatever reason. It might be uh, true humility or it could be fear or you think you might be out of place, but uh, he's always going to communicate his message. And so just immediately, Pastor David started explaining, hey, uh, I know maybe this looks different and uh, wh what's the deal with baptism? And you haven't heard a whole lot about that for years and years, maybe never that much in your life. It has not been a big uh, emphasis in, in, in the church. And I thought the first time he talked about it, I was like, hallelujah, I'm off the hook. Thank you, you know. So just if, you're, if he really wants to communicate something and you don't want to do what he called you to do, he, he'll, he'll put somebody in your place. But week after week, it got worse <laughs> instead of better. And he spoke about it every week. And every week the Lord uh, would just press on me a little bit harder. But the good part was that I think that he gave me some, some revelation, and I want to I share that with you. Uh, if you want to look to the scripture, let's start in Matthew 28. It's the very last chapter, the Gospel of Matthew. And the very, very, very end of the chapter... In Matthew 28, I'm going to start reading to you from about uh, verse 18. Now, hear the word of the Lord. And Jesus came and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Notice here what he told him to do. He told him to go and make disciples. We're pretty good about that and we're getting better. In fact, it's an emphasis here out of this fellowship that we go through all the world and we're not just trying to make converts, we're really trying to, to make disciples. And then he said, baptize them. And teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Now, sometimes it's just a little bit too simple for us. And he just commanded two things and then came right behind it and emphasized, teach them to do this. Make disciples and baptize them. Now, baptism wasn't something new. Jewish tradition practiced purification rituals. They immersed themselves fully in the uh, mikvah. That's a one Hebrew word a lot of us know. I've heard it a lot lately. The Jewish baptistry. Uh, when, they, uh, when they would go and, and wash themselves for purification, uh, tevila, tevila, uh, fully immerse themselves uh, in a pool of living water. And there was a lot of reasons for doing that. They were all outward reasons. Uh, a lot of them unmentionable reasons. And if it was nasty... The, the, all the more reason that you needed to go and you need to immerse yourself and you need to get baptized and clean yourself up. But it was a, it was a cleansing from, from the outside. And a simpler version of that uh, was simply the washing of your hands in a cup. Uh, a, a, lot of, a, a lot of getting yourselves pure because you couldn't participate uh, in church. You couldn't participate in a religious service uh, if you were considered unclean or impure. And, and, and the way that you got yourself right was uh, to cleanse yourself in, in one of these ways. It reminded me a lot of uh, when I was a child and I was uh, baptized. I was taught that I was being baptized in order to be able to enter in and be a participating voting member of our church. Uh, they, they ran things a lot like uh, a business, you know, parliamentary procedure, and you have committees, and you, and you have discussion, and then you vote on everything. And in order to vote on anything in our church, the real requirement was you had to have been baptized and be a member of that church. It was just like this. It was, it was an outward thing that we did. It was symbolic. And uh, it qualified us to participate uh, in the religious practice. After the Babylonian captivity, uh, the Jews actually began to start using immersion uh, as a requirement for many converts that were coming into Judaism. If you were outside of 
uh, the household of Abraham and, and you came in as a believer, then uh, you'd be baptized as a, as a sign. And then along came John the Baptist. And he adopted baptism as his central sacrament. A sacrament is a symbol of a spiritual reality. Now, this is still an outward thing that he's doing, but it came up a step. Because John said that he was baptizing for the forgiveness of sin, and that it was a baptism, baptism of repentance. Now, that's just common ideas to us, but it was a new and radical idea to these people. They'd been under a whole different system where they were just setting aside their sin. They had priests who did all that work for them. You might, you know, buy a little dove or a lamb or you had your different rituals that you did. But basically, they're in a period of time where they've had about 400 years since they've had a prophet. And suddenly, John comes along and there is a power about him and a power about his message, and the people are recognizing him as a prophet. Um, this is a really big deal because it's been generations, and it got the attention of the whole religious establishment, and he's beginning to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And this repentance that he was preaching about started to address an inward change. Repentance that came from the heart and becoming a different person. Not just looking right on the outside or, or doing the correct uh, prescribed things. You know, it's just a, a lot of, of do's and don'ts. And in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all write about John baptizing. Matthew, Mark, and Luke record Jesus being baptized as well, but John does not go into the actual detail of Jesus' baptism, only what happens before his baptism and what happens after. Now, I like Luke's account, mostly because I'm very detail-oriented, and uh, Luke goes into a, a lot of detail, telling us that the people said, Hey, John, you know, what does repentance look like? What are we supposed to do? And he would say, well, if you're cheating people, don't do that. If you can ease someone's burden or be generous to them, you, you should do that. Stop lying about your neighbor and, and so on and so forth. He, he gave them practical reasons and, and things that they could do to start becoming a person of repentance, a person who would change and turn and start living a different kind of life. And then after he gives the account of Jesus' baptism, he's the one that tells us Jesus' genealogy. Very detailed. Let's turn there. To Matthew, so, switch gears on you, didn't I? Here's why. Here's the point I want to bring out. Sorry, I lost my point. I told you I'm wasted, y'all. Um, if I didn't have my notes, I'd be in real trouble. 
Matthew and Mark tell about the, the baptism uh, of, of Jesus, and they have an important detail uh, that's not found in John or Luke. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3. And I know this is a lot of familiar ground. There's a lot of stuff been preached on this. We're actually going to go somewhere. If you'll just follow along with me. Remember, I only have 10 minutes. Then Jesus came up from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, but yet you're coming to me. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I'm not that smart. I don't know if y'all think about things like that. When you read them, you just read them. And I read that, and I read that, and I kept saying, wow, what's that mean? Why does it fulfill all righteousness for Jesus to be baptized by John? What, what is righteousness is usually defined as as being morally correct or it's good ethical conduct but you know sometimes righteous just just means the right way to do things it's just god's way to do things and i suspect that the reason this was god's way to do things was because they hadn't had a prophet in 400 years. And all of the attention of Israel is on this man and what he's doing out in the desert. And it's time for Jesus to come into his public ministry. And they're looking there at this new message. And he's been preaching the messianic message, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And he's telling the people that there's one that's coming after me that's greater than me. He's told them that he's going to come and baptize the people with fire. So it was right for Jesus to come down to John and get baptized and sort of bring this thing out into the open. So John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water and at that moment, heaven opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and alight on him. Now that's the detail. As soon as he came up out of the water, at that moment, heaven opened and the Spirit of God came on Jesus. Now, I've heard a lot of teaching on this. And honestly... I think most of it was wrong. I don't think that this passage of Scripture was meant to tell us about something that only Jesus could do. I've heard it preached so many times. Only Jesus could have the Spirit light on him like a dove and it stay there. And think about how gentle you would always have to be for that dove to always stay with you. I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think he's modeling for us exactly what he's planning to do for us. Amen. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Now, let's go back to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, or forward in time from where we're at with Jesus getting baptized. And so we're going we're gonna to go back over here, and we're back to Matthew 28, where the Great Commission is happening just before Jesus ascends into heaven. I mean, he's done all of his ministries, done all of his miracles. He's gone to the cross. He's died as you and me. He's been raised from the dead. He's been back for 40 days. He's been teaching about the kingdom of God. And then he says to them, okay, look, stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to send you a gift in Jerusalem, and power is going to come on you. When this gift comes, stay here and... Part of the instruction that he tells him, again, is make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. So they stay. And Pentecost comes. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. And Peter goes outside and he preaches to the crowd about Jesus... And everything that he's done and explains to them, you know, who Jesus was and, and what happened. And then we get to Acts, because if you were in, in Matthew 28, or you were at the end of Mark or John or any other place, then you can just kind of go right over into the book of Acts, and it's going to pick chronologically in time right up about exactly the same place. So in Acts chapter 2, here we are, they've, they've waited, and uh, that's, a, that's another story, that's a good preach for another day, but now the Holy Spirit has fallen, and John is, is gone outside, and the reason that we know that he went outside is because it tells us that they were in this room, and they're waiting on God, but they're all believers that are waiting on God, and then the people that he's preaching to are Jews that have come from all around the world. They're not followers of Christ, so they're not up there in that room. So now he's gone, and he's told them the gospel, and he summarizes by saying this in about verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you, and it's for your children, and for all who are far off, and for all whom the Lord, our God, will call. That's us. Now, Peter was a good disciple, because guess what he did? He had just been instructed, hey, go make disciples, baptize them, teach them, instruct them, and all this stuff I've just told you. Bam! He goes right at it, and there he does it. We're taught all the time, oh, what a miracle this is, because Peter was an uneducated man. Well, everything that we do for the Lord is a miracle, no matter how educated you are. Because it's not by might. It's by the Spirit of God. Okay, so here we go. Follow me now. Jesus gets baptized, goes into water, and for all intent and purposes, gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's what that, that's what that means when the Holy Spirit comes on him and stays on him, gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Now we've got the first preaching service of the new covenant uh, after the coming of the Holy Spirit and Peter preaches to all these people and we find out later if we read more of it, there's about 3,000 of them that got saved. Guess what? That means they got baptized and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go with Peter ahead about nine years into Acts chapter 10. That'd be to your right if you're using a Bible. And it's probably down the page if you're using an iPad. That was a joke. Now, here we have, in Acts chapter 10, a really great story. I mean, I love this story. Uh, this is a good preach too, but that's another message for another day. But let's hit the high spots of this. Again, it's a familiar story, but you might not know it. So here's what's going on. Uh, th there is a, a, a Roman or a Greek. He's probably a Roman because his name's Cornelius. Uh, and he's in a, he is the uh, centurion of an Italian uh, uh, legion and uh, regiment. And he's a believer. He's one of those uh, converts to Judaism, probably not, you know, born to the, to the house of Israel. Uh, but he's a devout man. He's a, he, he's a good man. He's got uh, people that are serving under him that he's influenced. They're also followers. And... Um, He's a charitable and generous man, and um, an angel appears to this guy. Um, and uh, he says, I want you to call for Peter and have him to come over here, and uh, he's going he's gonna to preach to you. Well, about the same time this is happening, or meanwhile, uh, Peter is having a vision uh, that started out because he was hungry. And in this vision, he, he, he has, sees this uh, sheet drop down. It's the whole thing about uh, receiving any kind of animal for food, not calling anything unclean. Um, there's a whole lot in there. It's a double meaning to that because it really is about uh, dietary restrictions. But it's mostly about there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. And that God is accepting all people uh, through this new and living way. And Peter's not having it. I mean, it's like he has to show him this vision three times because he rejects it. Uh, but then finally, um, he, he's, you know, like, okay, Lord. And, and uh, God tells him in another vision that three men are coming for, from Cornelius. And they're going to ask him to come back to his house, and that's A-OK -okay because up until this time, in his understanding, he cannot go in this guy's house. You know, he's going to become unclean. He's going to make God mad. He's not interested in doing any of that. So there's a, there's a lot to that story. It's kind of the background to all of that. Um, and so now what has happened is the, as the people have come and Peter's went back and he gets in Cornelius' house, and he preaches the gospel to him and all of the people that, that are there. And Peter has took some of his guys, some of the circumcision, so, so they're Jewish guys that are now messianic. They're followers of Jesus. And they've come and they went with him and he's preached. And we get down to, uh, to verse 
44 uh, in chapter 10, and the Bible says this, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. That means his posse, these circumcised guys that came along with him, and they're already believers in Jesus, probably already been baptized, because guess what? We saw nine years before when Peter preached to you and you accepted the Lord, he baptized you because Jesus told him to, right? So now the Holy Spirit has fallen on all of these people, and the circumcised believers, so they're believers, that's how we know, they came who had come with Peter, they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, well, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. So this was important. You get this? The Holy Spirit has falling on these people, and they are prophesying, and they're speaking in tongues, and these believers are already there with them, and the first thing that comes in Peter's mind is, we need to get these people baptized. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then Peter went on to stay with them for a few days. So here, the same results happen, but it's upside down. Same outcome, but a different order. Follow me? Believe, get baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. Okay, here they believe, Holy Ghost falls on them, they get baptized, but you got the same result as you got a believer that has been baptized into Jesus Christ and they've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, and at least in these examples, it's happening at the same time. Okay? Believe be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's go a little more to the right over into Acts chapter 19. This is probably about 80, 55. So this is about another 17 years down the road. So, you know, we're going to see some uh, continuity. We're all also going to see some, some growth in, in, in Revelation. And so now we're with Paul. And Paul's off on about his third missionary journey, and he's gone to Ephesus. And beginning in uh, chapter 1 of verse 19, here's what we find out. Apollos was in Corinth, and Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, this was my experience. I was saved, absolutely saved, no question at all that I was saved when I was six years old. And I never heard a teaching or a mention of the Holy Spirit until I was 18. But I believed in Jesus and the Holy Spirit drew me and he came and dwelled in me. I just didn't have anyone to teach me about what was going on. And that's what happened to these guys right here. They, they were disciples. They had believed in Jesus and he had saved them. But they had no idea at all 
that there was a Holy Spirit. And Paul said, well, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. Remember that one? The baptism of repentance. And Paul, uh, and Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in, Je in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Now, here's the point. And I think God pretty well made it this morning. Baptism is important. Jesus commanded that we make disciples and baptize them and teach them to observe all that he commanded. And the baptism that we're baptizing into is not a baptism of repentance. Your repentance comes at the cross. When you come and find that Jesus died as you in your place at the cross. And when you accept that and receive him, there is your place of repentance. So our baptism is not a symbolic act. It is not like the acts that were done previously as a Jewish ritual, in many cases done as an outward sign of contrition. And I'll tell you when I started thinking about this, was I got baptized here again because I'd been baptized as a child into a religious system. I got baptized right over here, and you ask us, why are you here? Why are you coming here? You remember what I said? As an act of humility and repentance. I don't know any better. I really thought that that was what I was supposed to be doing. And that's when God began to deal with me and said, I want you baptized into my resurrection. It's a prophetic act declaring who I am about to become. Leaving my old man dead where Jesus put me. I'm identifying with Christ's death and burial, but most importantly, I'm identifying with his resurrection. And, and what I had intended for this morning was to be baptized again right now. Third time's the charm. Three ways. God dispensed this to us. First, as <laughs> just a ritual. I think it was done, brother. We all got baptized and Shirley confirmed exactly what the Lord spoke to me. This morning, Jesus baptized this church. Our mandate is one that we are going to have to be serious and reverent towards the things of God, whether we understand them or whether we don't. We're going to have to be able to move with the Spirit, to go with the flow. I've been praying and asking how I could get people to sit closer together. 
And it did happen. Now, none of this is an accident. I did not have weeks and weeks of this bearing down on my soul. Pastor David has not been continuously trying to bring this forth and explain to all of us what has been going on. This baptismal did not just suddenly... It didn't break until we walked in here from coming from our love feast. And we were getting ready to start the service and that thing broke and just like a flood started coming across the room... And, I, Lord, I just declare over these people exactly what you said. That we symbolically receive as a prophetic act your baptism. That you have set us apart. That you have called us to the nations and to this community. We receive the power of the Holy Ghost that follows your baptism. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that you are a good God, a loving God, a fun God, a supernatural God. We thank you, Lord, that you are infinitely smarter than all of us collectively and that you ordain our days. That you had this figured out exactly for today. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, Pastor David, come on. Wow, that's an awesome word. You're hey, Shirley, come up. She had something else. Oh, yeah. Y'all are so awesome. I am exceedingly proud of this church. But while we were over there trying to kind of clean things up because it was very wet, and we were mopping, and everybody jumped up, and, and they, they just found something to do, and they were doing it, and it was, it, it's all cleaned up. And so while that was happening, the Lord spoke to my heart that, this was like a prophetic picture of revival. That when the Holy Spirit comes, the water of the Holy Spirit comes, and it overflows, and it goes everywhere, and it is messy. <laughs> and and that, that, you know, what we've been believing for for years is for people to come to meet the Lord, be saved, washed, cleansed. Hallelujah, right? And, you know, one of the things the devil tells us is that we're not ready. But ready is never defined, so we never know when we are, okay? <laughs> but the Lord showed me we're ready. Because what happened over there was so awesome. People got up and they started doing. They didn't wait to be told what to do. They didn't wait to be asked what to do. They just saw what was needed. They got up and they did. And that's what revival is. And that's what we, the only ready we have to do is just to be ready to go do. So be encouraged in that we are ready. The Lord's shown us. Amen. They weren't even members of a committee. You know, they weren't even thinking about that stuff. Amen. Hey, let's stand. Let's this has been an amazing morning.